0: Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Galatians chapter 2 is where we are. We're going to be in the last two verses uh, today, but before we get started, let me ask you this question. How many of you uh, are big sports fans? Would you raise a hand? You love sports. In fact, uh, you're not just a sports fan. You are fanatical about a certain team, whether it's college or pro. You're, raise your hand. Let me see. All right. Okay. Okay. There we go. Now, one thing about sports, fan, sports fans is we love to identify with our teams. Um, we go to great lengths to, to identify with our teams. We buy jerseys. We uh, put stickers and decals on our vehicles. We uh, hang banners outside of our homes and we decorate inside of our homes. Uh, sometimes paint our faces or even get a tattoo of our, of our favorite team. Uh, we travel to be wherever they are and sometimes purchase season tickets just so we could be around and go eagles sometimes our fanaticism takes us off the edge uh like johnny nichols who in their right mind would like the philadelphia eagles uh seriously but i mean like like here i know that there's there's splits with college right i know uh, like some of you are big duke fans um, and then there's, there's Virginia Tech and UVA, and I was just actually just talking to David and Brendan Fitzwater. Uh, David's a UVA fan. Brendan's thinking of going to Virginia Tech, so that's what you call a split home, right? And uh, yeah, and I know uh, some people are weird. Trenton Clark painted his barn uh, with the Virginia Tech colors. Just, just going all at it. Uh, that, like the two pro teams in baseball, you have the, uh, the Washington Nationals. How many fans are the Nationals? the orioles are also close by anybody orioles fans sorry about that uh right uh we have here in in dc a minor league football team uh that's great they call sorry i know let's see the red wait not the redskins not the football team the commandeers is, is, wasn't that a uh, wasn't that a musical group i'm commanders i know Uh, I'm excited about that this year, but We so closely identify with our teams though. We feel with them When our team wins like we feel like we won when our team loses we feel like We lost you say I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay. Okay. Ladies. Can I ask you how many of you wives Your husband at some point in his life his mood changed because his team won or lost would you raise a hand? yeah see (laughs) Charity that was quick man she put that hand up fast all right it's just the fact that we love to identify with our teams but what's so crazy is no matter how much we try to identify with our teams we're not a part of that team they take your favorite team no matter who it is unless you're related to someone on that team they don't have a clue who you are they, they don't know your name. They probably don't care anything about you. Not that they're trying to be unkind, but they probably don't care about you because they don't know you. And yet, that doesn't keep us saying, well, I want to identify with them. When, when, it's, when it's Sunday and football season takes place, you know, Jeff Kibler, Jeff is a Cowboys fan and I'm a Cowboys fan and we meet in the hallway. He asks this question, who are we playing today? We? We? Uh, or, Or hey, man, what a great game last week. We won Actually, jeff the we part of we won consisted of me grabbing a bag of chips sitting on the couch And turning the tv on That's my contribution to the we when it comes to we won. It's just that identification That we seek with our teams the apostle paul very different He loved to identify with jesus over 130 times in his letters, the Apostle Paul writes about being in Christ or in God or in the Lord or with Christ or with God or with the Lord over 130 times. And some of the most familiar verses, it just, it's so core to what Paul has to say. And today we're going to get into two of the final verses of Galatians chapter 2 that talk about the crucified life. And we meant to get there last week and didn't quite. And so I just want to remind you of of, of the, the heading that we're headed or where we're headed. It is how the crucified life that Paul speaks of, it should resemble the crucified Christ. But a believer's identity or union with Christ through faith in Christ is central to paul's teachings we see it all throughout his writings and two of my very favorite verses and, and i know we all have different verses uh, that are that are, that really mean something to us but over the last number of years romans chapter 8 verse 1 and 2 corinthians 5 verse 21 both mean have come to mean so much to me that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in see that union. I'm sorry kids, you can go ahead and be dismissed if you didn't yet. I'm so sorry. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in that union in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5:21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God, the union and the blessing that comes from the union, that we are not under condemnation, that we have been given the righteousness of Christ. And one other verse is Colossians 3 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't think you could get any closer to an identity when your life isn't even seen. You are seen as being with Christ in God. And as we study through Galatians today, we're going to look at one of the most well-known verses in all of the Bible that talks about our union with Christ, Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. So if you have a Bible, we're going to spend the majority of our time in this one verse. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I know it's a familiar verse and it might be easy to sit back today and think I know this one But I want to encourage you to lean in because there's a big difference between my identity with christ And my identity with my favorite team Neither christ nor my team needs my contribution in any way My my favorite team does not need my athletic abilities. They'll be fine without it Jesus doesn't need my righteousness but the difference between the two is that jesus invites me to participate with him to put it in a sports analogy jesus invites me onto his team gives me a varsity uniform sends me out to play first string and since it's team jesus we always win because he never loses we win every game that we ever play. And, and, and at the end of the championship, he hands me the trophy and says, great job, Brian. And he sends me on the top of the bus of the ticker tape parade. And, and he celebrates at me as if I made the winning shot for our team, even though I contributed absolutely nothing. We, we do this all the time couple of weeks ago uh, Matt Prescraves and who helps on Wednesday night Matt uh, organized a game of, of kickball with the kids and so there was four adults it was Matt Matt Michael Jenkins I think and uh, Caleb Ruthier and there's a four adult men were playing all the little kids in kickball and it was a close game it was close well we got to the bottom of the third inning which was the last one bases were loaded for the kids and they were down by three And the last little girl came up, and she's like five years old. And she came up ready to kick that kickball, and I think Matt rolled it to her, and she kicked it, didn't even get to the pitcher. And they're like, run, run, it was Emma. Run, run, Emma, run, run. And Matt picked it up and intentionally threw it over the first baseman's head. so she got the first base safe but it kept rolling run to second Emma run to second so this okay so she runs to second and whoever the first baseman was picked it up and made a bad throw to second base on purpose and she kept running past second run to third Emma run to third and and she gets to third and she's the winning run with two outs in the bottom of the last inning And, and they made a bad throw to third run home Emma run home and she runs as fast as she can her whole team is gathered around home plate and she steps on the base and everybody cheers as if Emma you just hit a grand slam and the men of course oh Emma good hit as they know that they let that team win that's how I feel my contribution is to team Jesus he didn't even kick the ball to the pitcher but he lifts me up and says oh I love that you're on my team. He could win every game by himself because that's who he is. But he invites us to be on his team and to celebrate his victory as our own. Because here's the thing, when I am united with Christ, each victory he wins is a win for me too. Oh, this is this applies to our church. That means when someone in this church wins, we win. That's why we celebrate with those who have great victories. We weep with those who weep. Because we're one collective unit in Christ. That's what Paul's trying to get across here in Galatians 2:20 by faith we are united to christ So look back at verse 20 if you would it says i have been crucified with christ now right away we have to address this question if paul was alive how can he write that he was crucified doesn't it seem like he'd be dead if he was crucified with christ but anyways, Jesus was crucified decades before Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians. So we know he didn't climb up on the cross with Jesus. He wasn't crucified with Christ on the cross. So what does he mean? What Paul wants to get across to the Galatian believers and to us through this letter is that one's faith in Jesus unites them to Jesus which means when you and I look to Jesus in faith we are identifying with Jesus in all that he did what that means and this is central to where we're going today you got to understand this what that means is when God sees our faith in his son Jesus as the messiah as the as the Christ who was sent by God to redeem the world from sin and to usher in the kingdom of god when we look to jesus in faith with that understanding then god since i'm united he awards to me everything that jesus accomplished in his life in his death and in his resurrection and he gives it to me as if i have accomplished it myself So Paul says, I know my faith has united me to Jesus. Therefore, I have been crucified with Christ. But it wasn't his body that was united. So what was crucified? Paul actually explains it. Later in Galatians in chapter 5, he's going to say, this is what was crucified. All those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what went to the cross was crucified my self-centered and self-serving passions and desires anything that ran contrary to god's desires being fulfilled in my life went to the cross in galatians 6 he says but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world so not just my desires But the ways of the world, and what are the ways of the world? Well, be first, be served, be number one. That way of thinking was crucified on the cross. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, what does the kingdom of God tell us? Be last. I don't like being last, right. But the last shall be first in the kingdom of God. Go serve, but I don't like to serve. I like to be served, right? But the servant is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Be number one. I don't, I, I, you don't need to be number one, but I want to be number one. Oh, no, no. See, your life is hidden with Christ so that Christ can be number one in the kingdom of God. Paul goes on in Romans 6, just, just another letter Paul writes you. He says this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. When I look to Jesus in faith, what is crucified are my passions and my desires, the the way of the world and my old self, the part of me that was enslaved to sin that part was put to death why 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 would I need to put a part of me to death because when the old self is crucified it's freed from the power of sin you say how is it free from the power of sin when you're dead you can't sin actually when you're dead you can't do anything well then that causes a problem because I'm supposed to to live my life for christ but if i've been crucified with christ what happens well this is this is where we come back to how faith unites us with jesus not just in one aspect of his life but in everything jesus did so jesus was not just crucified jesus was also resurrected right that's why paul says in romans 6 5 we have been if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his jesus went into the grave walked out three days later and because i am united with jesus by faith even though my old self dies new life comes to me but here's the question what's living inside of you today you see, it's clear that our old self is crucified and went into the grave, but the question is, then does, does my old self resurrect and come back out? And I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm not trying, to, in any way trying to be critical, but, but I'm just being transparently honest with you. It appears to be the case that in, in some who claim to have turned to Jesus, they actually never put the old self to death. They'll claim to be a follower of Christ and still live for their passions and their desires, still go after the ways of the world, still live a life full of sin, feeding their own passions. But for those who have truly turned to Jesus in faith and have been united with him, that old self is dead and buried, and what new life comes out of the grave is really amazing, and Paul tells us what that life is back in chapter 2 verse 20 of galatians he says it's no longer i who live christ lives in me my old self was not given new life it was crucified but it stayed in the grave the new life in me is now jesus himself and so the old self that lived for my own desires and my own glory now it's jesus living in me for god's desires and for god's glory that's why we sang the passion of the church is the glory of the lord oh man i so i love when we get to sing that song it reminds me every time may the glory the glory of god be what the burning desire of my heart truly is when i live by faith when you live by faith it really means jesus is living in me and it sounds so great to think that jesus lives in me but it also leads us to ask this question how do i know if jesus is living in me and i don't think it's a difficult question to answer we look at the life of jesus and then we look at our life and we say do we see christ's life in ours see jesus loved his enemies he prayed for them and he forgave them Do you when people hurt you how do you react that helps us know if christ is living in us he offered mercy to those who failed him just think of how many times jesus extended mercy to those disciples who failed him over and over and yet aren't we quick to turn on people who fail us that's not jesus living in me He went to the outcasts, to the broken, to the hurting, to give peace, hope, and joy. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He taught the truth. He didn't focus on building his own house. In fact, Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. His focus was on building the kingdom of his Father. And he did that ultimately by laying down his life for sinful enemies. That that means that a believer who is living the crucified and the resurrected life, has died to his own passions and desires, has devoted his life to the glory of the Father, and has dedicated his labors to the advancement of the kingdom, no matter the cost. See, this is what Christ's life Was and that is the life that is supposed to be living in us. It's the testimony of Jesus, and it's the testimony the believers in Christ should carry too, because we've been united with Him in faith. But let's be honest a lot of believers whose lives are wrapped up in getting the next promotion and feeding their own passions and desires, wrapped up in increasing their 401k moving on to bigger and better things and seemingly content to ignore the community of believers around them but if this is how we're supposed to live why do we not and paul the great apostle paul that wrote the book we're studying he said in romans 7 things i want to do i don't things i don't want to do i do and he says because that that old self is it's in a continual battle i must die daily there's an ongoing struggle to let christ live in us because we want to keep living our own lives and we're going to fight that struggle daily until we see jesus but I want, you to be rest, I want you to rest assured because the victory has been won. Jesus has conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered hell. And since he has and we're united to him in faith, so have we. And I know this is going to be hard to, to maybe believe for some of you, but you don't have to sin. He's given you the victory over sin. You have died to sin. We don't have to say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yes, you are, but you are a sinner that has been called to live the life of Jesus and let him live in you every time I sin. It's because I am not united to Christ and allowing him to live in me in that moment. I am living for myself. I believe that part of our struggle in living the crucified life is that we want to live the crucified life, but we don't want to suffer. A Crucifixion hurts. I want, I want Jesus to live in me, but it, I want it to be pain-free. Don't we want that? But the crucified life is meant to reveal the crucified Christ. And when we look at the crucified Christ, we see pain and suffering. But we also notice that it is in his greatest moments of suffering that he achieved his most incredible places of victory. The temptation in the wilderness where he defeated Satan. The garden of Gethsemane where he was exposed to what was about to happen to him and he sweat great drops of blood but yet got up and said, I will fulfill the cross when we're told he could have called legions of angels but he chose not to because he knew what he was called to do. In those moments we see Jesus willingly surrendering not just his will but himself. Philippians 2 Paul speaks of how Jesus emptied himself not just of his will but of his glory and he took on the form of a servant born in the likeness of men and it's no wonder Paul would then say in Philippians chapter 3 about his own testimony whatever gain I had I count as loss For the sake of Christ, so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You see, being crucified with Christ is more than just crucifying and burying my sins. That's wonderful, but here's the thing. Being crucified like Christ, it is also burying my accomplishments, my promotions, and my comforts in order to take on the sufferings of Christ. And we want to be crucified, but we don't want to hurt. I think, I think we're happy to bury our record of sins, but we want to hold on to our record of accomplishments. We value and hold to our talents that bring acclaim, our treasures that bring security, the worldly success of our children that brings a measure of notoriety, the salary of a job that brings honor and prestige, and a lifestyle that brings comfort. We want to hold on to all of these and reject the suffering Christ has called us to be as being crucified with him. Say, well, Pastor, I mean, I get that I have to bury my sins, but why do I have to bury my accomplishments? I've done some incredible things. Because once you've turned to Jesus and united yourself in faith to him, not your life anymore. that means we abandon everything because jesus now lives in me it's not look at what i've done it's look at what he has already done for me this is my identity this is how I, i i come back to and stand next to jesus i stand because i have been crucified with him and i have been resurrected in him. And you say, man, why would I want? Why would I, if if all that I have, why would I give it up? Paul tells us why. He says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why should I be willing to live the crucified life? Because he loved me when I was unlovable. And he died for me when I was unworthy. We've all heard beautiful love stories and I, I think probably the most the one that I think has stuck with me the longest and I heard it all the way back in Bible college and it happened centuries ago of a, of a French soldier unit that was sent to an outlying village where there was an uprising against the leader of the nation of France. And there was a handsome young French soldier who met a beautiful young lady in the village and he fell desperately in love with her. And after the months long battle that took place, the, the, whole, the whole unit was sent back to the capital and he stayed, he abandoned the army to stay with this girl months later, a small group of soldiers was sent back to that village with orders to find that man and read his execution. They gathered him once they found him in the city city center square and, uh, and read that upon the toll of the evening bell, the firing squad would execute him for his abandonment of the army. And so as that time Drew closer. The crowds had gathered in the city center. That man was bound, and the firing squad was ready, just waiting for the evening bell to toll. And it, it didn't toll, and it, it didn't ring, and it didn't ring. And finally, the, the, the soldier, the, the general, sent one of the townspeople to investigate who came back with news. No, the bell is in perfectly working order. The reason you didn't hear it is because that soldier's wife bound herself to the bell knocker, and she was crushed over and over and over, but she made a barrier so that the bell would never ring the evening toll. That general was so overcome with emotion, he He let the man go and they returned. And I I heard that so many years ago that, and it has stayed with me just the willing sacrifice to give their life for someone they loved. But that's not the story of the cross. The story of the cross is that Jesus loved someone who didn't love him. Jesus gave his life for someone who was his enemy. And he said, I will take on everything that you deserve because I love you and I will give myself to you. And that's why when when we read Romans 8, which is just a beautiful verse that says, uh, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that verse, but when you couple it with the two verses prior, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were ungodly, we were unrighteous, we were sinners, and that is the state in which Jesus demonstrated his love and his sacrifice. So why should I abandon my sin and my accomplishments? because there is no greater love than what I received when Christ was crucified for me. Therefore, in faith, I am now crucified with him. There may be days, we all have these, when we don't feel loved in the moment. May I encourage you to run back to the cross and gaze at the cross where the sinless son of God gave his life for sinners. And then in closing, the last verse of chapter 2, Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no like in this one verse, Paul wraps up everything he's been stating at the, from the middle of chapter 2 on. He debates, can you be found righteous, justified by your works of the law, or by faith in Christ? And he said, listen, if you could be justified by your works in keeping the law, then everything that we are celebrating about the love of Christ as he lays down his life, it was pointless. He died for no purpose whatsoever if you could bring your own righteousness. No event in the history of the world has altered the course of the world more than the crucifixion of God's Messiah. Yet when we turn to our own good works as the means of being right with God, then the good grace of God and the loving sacrifice of Jesus Becomes meaningless. Can you imagine that the most important moment in the history of the world is meaningless to those who turn to themselves for righteousness. No, we needed the cross. First John one tells us the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. We needed that blood. Because doing good works is great, but it never takes away the sin that separates us from the Father. We needed the blood. It's why we sing about the blood. It's why we celebrate the blood. It's why in just a few moments we're going to take the Lord's Supper and we are going to remember the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus because it is our only way to be made right with God that when we in faith look to Jesus, he unites us to his crucifixion, to his burial, and to his resurrection. And we then can be saved justified in the eyes of God. If you don't have faith in Jesus as the Messiah, if you don't have faith in Jesus as the deliverer of God who was sent to save you from your sins, your old self is still alive. Which means the cross meaningless to you. We must have faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God, but with faith, ha, with faith, Jason, the fact that your mom was laid in the ground this week with faith, she was united to Christ. Which means we have the hope that that body that went into the ground this week Will one day be reunited with the spirit and soul that is with jesus and she will live Forever because we are united with the resurrection of christ not just the crucifixion But in everything he accomplished his resurrection and even his ascension because one day we'll rule with by faith so in just a moment we're going to identify with christ but we're not going to put on a jersey and we're not going to paint our face we're going to hold a simple cup of juice and a small little piece of bread and as you do just think we won we won we <laughs> won He won it all, but he gave it to me, so we won. We've defeated sin. We've defeated hell. We've defeated death. We won because he won.